Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, some years ago I was in the ministry for so many years and God had used my life to preach the word to a lot of people. And just out of nowhere, God began to show me that I have a brother who is older than me, and I had never shared the gospel with him. I I never have. Now, he had moved away from home for so many years, we didn't know where he was. I had no idea. I hadn't talked to him in many, many years. He had some life issues, struggles with drugs and drug addiction, didn't know where he lived. But I realized that I had never preached to the gospel to him, and I had preached to many, many, many thousands of people and had never preached to him. And so I said to my wife, I said, honey, i got to go and find my brother, and i got to go preach the gospel and share Jesus with him. i got to go find him. So I get on a plane. I find out where, what state he might be in. I found out in city, and I found out that he was in uh, the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Didn't know where. Got on a plane, went there. I began to check around in hospitals and um, railroad stations where homeless people sleep and bus stations and and um, homeless shelters and, and and I finally found him at in a drug rehab center and so I walked in and of course he was surprised to see me I hadn't seen him in years and he was surprised to see me and I went in and said to the people you know I like to see my brother and gave him his name and you know he came out and he was like man what are you doing here I hadn't seen you in years and I, I began to talk and glad to see him and said, you know, I said, man, can you believe it? I'm a pastor now. And I'm like, can you believe it? Who would have ever believed that I am a pastor now and all that God has done in my life and, and my ministry and how God's given me a great church and a great ministry and shared all these things with him and caught up. And, um, and I said to him, I said, you know, I came this far to tell you about Jesus. And I began to share the gospel with him right there in the lobby of the, of the drug rehab center. I began to share the gospel with him and um, share the word with him. And he said, and he said, um, I said, would you like to become a Christian? Would you like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, no. I said, okay, well, I'm going to, see, I'm not one of those kind of people that believe in talking you into it and all this stuff. Because, you know, if I can talk you into it, I can talk you out of it. So I know if you don't want to receive Christ, that's okay. I I said to him, I said, you know, I'm going to just get on a plane and I'm going to head on back to North Carolina and I'm going to pray for you. And, and I did, I came home, told my wife, he didn't receive Christ, but I didn't feel like my trip was in vain. I felt like God is faithful. Amen, saints? And God will take his word. Listen, we are to be faithful to what God has called us to do and not worry about, here it is, the results. 
How often do we wouldn't do something like that because we think, well, what if they don't accept Christ? And what if this? And what if that? And we're so results driven when in fact we should not ever worry about the results. We always want to be simply obedient to do what God has told you to do, to do what God has called you to do. And you let God take care of the results. If you got somebody in school or in class and God tells you to tell them about Jesus, oh, well, they might mock me. They might not receive. Well, they probably won't. And maybe they will mock you. But we need to be obedient and don't worry about that. The Bible says that his word will not return void. It will accomplish the thing that's set out to do. Someday he will be wherever he will be and he will call out to God and he'll remember that conversation we had in that lobby at that drug rehab center. God will bring it back just like that and God will use the seed of his word to water it by the Holy Spirit and bring forth fruit in the life of my brother. I have no question. Did I do the right thing? Absolutely. Yeah, I did. We need to have a love and a concern to share the gospel with our family and our friends. We see that as we learn this lesson from these four men. Secondly, we also see that they had a conviction that Jesus was this man's only hope. They were, had a conviction of that. And I believe that man's only hope and salvation is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Amen, saints? Amen. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 tells us, neither is there salvation in any other. Read the rest with me. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by much we must be saved. We must only through Christ. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. So if we really believe that, then, and we really care about people, then we should do whatever is necessary to get them to Jesus, even if it means we got to raise the roof to get them to Jesus. Thirdly, we can see these men had faith. They had faith. Jesus looked up, and Jesus saw their faith. How do you see someone's faith? Well, James tells us we know faith because we see your works. So by the fact that these guys were willing to tear up the roof was faith in action that they believed that Jesus could heal him and Jesus would heal him. And we also see, as a side note, may I add, we also see that their faith was creative. I mean, who would have thunk it? These guys show up. The house is too crowded. Somebody, one of the four, had to think, well, the house is too crowded. But maybe one of them said, well, we can't get him a Jesus. Let's go home. And maybe one of the others said, well, wait a minute. Maybe we can get up on the roof and lower him down in the roof. Now, that is creative evangelism at its finest. (laughs) Creative evangelism. And that's why we do what we do here in the ministry of Calvary Chapel. We have to give a kid a chance to reach out to the community. Why? Because it's a way to be creative in our faith. It's a way to be creative in evangelism and reaching people for the gospel and for the kingdom of God. Creative. Thinking of ways in which we can be a blessing in the community. We have different types of music and different styles and flavors of music here at Calvary Chapel. Why? Because we are seeking to be creative in the way that we reach people. Just love them and reach them. This is creative evangelism. You know, the story is told of Chuck Smith way back when they began Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. The hippie movement. And the hippies were getting saved and they were coming to church. And Chuck had just got the Calvary Chapel off the ground there in Costa Mesa, California. And they just put down new carpet. 
And I love this story. They put down new carpet and, you know, some of the older people who were going to the church, these hippies were coming from the beach and their feet were filthy and they were stinky and dirty with long hair. And they were coming to Bible study and coming to church. And their dirty, stinky feet was dirtying up the carpet. And some of the other older people who had been there a while, maybe some of the religious people, they came to him and they said, Chuck, the hippies are dirtying up the carpet with their stinky, dirty feet and they're sticking their toes in the communion cup holders. (laughs) What are we going to do? And you know what Chuck said? Oh, I love this. You know what he said? He said, then tear up the carpet. Isn't that awesome? Don't be so concerned with the loveliness of the service versus the lostness of the sinner. Isn't that true? People want to keep the service so lovely. It's not about church. It's not about your building. It's not about about, about the things that we see. It's about the kingdom of God and reaching people for Jesus Christ. That's why when people come here to Calvary, they can come any way they want. It should become as you are. We, we sung about it for years, but everybody dresses up. I, I don't know why. And, and you know, we come as you are. And if as you are is, is, is in a suit and tie, then come as that. That's all good. That's great. That's wonderful. But nobody should feel like they have to dress up before the Lord before they can go to church. Or they have to be a certain way before they can go to church. I've seen people come in this church and they had spiked hair and it was pink. Little spiky things around their collar. And I'm, you know, I'd hug them gently and I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. You know, guys come in sagging. Now what's up with the sagging? All right. They come in sagging. Now, I, now look, with the sagging, I got to say, just pull it up. Pull your pants. Yeah, we can see your underwear. That probably is crossing the line. Okay. But, you know, pull it up. But, but the point is, what do you say with them? We love you. We accept you. This is a place where you can come and hear about the gospel. It's not about what you look like. It's about your heart. Jesus cares more for this man's heart than he does for the fact that he's paralyzed and, and, and sick. And that's why he said to him, your sins are forgiven. Because it's about your heart. It's about bringing people into the kingdom of God, not about your stuff. These men had faith, but not only did they have faith, but number four, they had sacrificial faith. Their faith was costly. They sacrificed their time and their energy to bring this man to Jesus. These guys go to extremes for their friend to get him to Jesus. They weren't casual in their faith. They weren't business as usual. Oh, the church is so business as usual. We come to church, we go home, we have our lunch, we chill out, we get a nap, we watch the game, we wake up, we do Monday, we come church Wednesday maybe if it works out. We come back Sunday morning, we do church, we go home, we have lunch, we go sleep, we watch a game. Church is so business as usual. Would to God this church never becomes business as usual. We always want to seek the spirit of God, amen, saints? And we want God to move in our presence. And we want God to bless us as we gather together. Their faith was sacrificial. It cost them something. So Jesus looks up and he sees these four guys and he sees a rooftop of love and faith. I like that. They sacrificed and they gave something. Jesus looked up, number one. And then number two, he looked down and he saw the paralyzed man There in Matthew chapter 9, I'll tell you that in verse 2, he saw the man and seeing the faith of these friends, he said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. You see that? Now, interesting. 
Did these friends bring this man to Jesus for his sins to be forgiven? No. They brought him to Jesus that Jesus might touch him physically and heal him. But what happened? Jesus sees this man's need is greater than physical healing. Jesus sees a man's greatest need is forgiveness, which, by the way, is everyone's greatest need. It is the world's greatest need is forgiveness. Psychologists today will tell you a large percentage of their cases have everything to do with people who fail to forgive others and forgive themselves. Interesting. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent a savior. And a savior gives forgiveness to this man. This word forgive means to send away. It means to send away. It was David who said in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. You see, in the first century, the rabbis taught that if you were sick, you must have sinned, which is what people teach today, as a matter of fact. If there's sickness in your life or there's healing necessary in your life, then there must be some sin or some lack of faith in your life or some sin in your life. So you got to understand something. When Jesus said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. This was, oh, happy day for this man. Because Jesus was saying, God is not angry with you. God's not upset with you. God loves you. God cares for you. And this is what God says to us today. God loves you. God cares for you. Man, I know God loves me. You know, people from time to time send nice cards. Pastor Rodney, we love you. I'm like, oh, thank you. God loves me. And sometimes people send not so nice cards. Pastor Rodney, we hate you. I go, well, God still loves me. God loves us. That's a great message. The love of God. So Jesus looked up and he looked down and then lastly, he looked around and he saw the hard and critical, unbelieving hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees. Because when they saw that Jesus had forgiven this man's sin, they were thinking in their hearts that Jesus committed blasphemy because only God can forgive sin. I mean, think about that. God knows your heart. And it's interesting because as you read this story. Jesus is the only person that speaks in the whole story. Isn't that interesting? The only audible voice in the story is Jesus. And yet he reads their hearts. That's a scary thought. It's like, you know, depending on what's in your heart. But Jesus reads their heart. And he said to them, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Now keep in mind, they were upset with Jesus because he could, only God could forgive sin, which is right. They were absolutely right. Only God can forgive sin. So when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, Jesus is either God or he's a blasphemer. Then there are many, many people who will say that Jesus is a good man. Jesus is a good teacher, good moral person. Jesus is someone we should model our lives after. But they'll say he isn't God. Well, I'll tell you what. He is either God in the flesh or he's a liar and a blasphemer. Someone once said that, Lunatic, liar, or Lord. 
Which one is he to you? He is God. And so Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he gave them a test. He said, okay, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Now, understand something. Both are easy to say. You can say. I can walk up to someone in a wheelchair and say your sins are forgiven. That's easy to say. Well, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Well, rise up and walk. Because if I go up to somebody and say your sins are forgiven, that's one thing. But if I say to them, because nobody can tell, how can I know whether your sins are forgiven or not? I can't. Only God knows that. But if I say your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk, and you do, then I have the power. And that's what Jesus is saying. He has the power to forgive. And so in order to convince the Jews that he had that power to forgive, Jesus healed the man. And then they said, wow, we have never seen anything like this. Awesome. This man was healed because of the faith of a few close friends. Do you know there's two things in life? Listen, listen close. There's two things in life that we need to value. Number one, family. Number two, friends. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, people will not value friends and family. Timothy says that Paul writing to Timothy says that in the last days, children will be disobedient to parents. That's how we'll know we're getting to closer to the last days because don't you see it? People don't value friends anymore. People don't value relationships. Everybody's doing their own thing, whatever they want. Listen, friendship is important. The Bible has a lot to say about family and friends. It's Solomon in the Proverbs. He has a lot to say about family and about friends. In Proverbs 17, if you're taking notes, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man who has friends must first himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hey, if you don't have any friends, that's because you're not friendly. Stop looking so mean. Stop being so angry and looking mean with people and people trying to be your friend. I don't want to be your friend. And you go, but Pastor Ryan, I don't have any friends. That's because you're so mean. Stop being so mean. You'll get some friends. That's what the Bible says. You want friends? Be friendly. Be nice. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. We should be friends with others because Jesus is a friend to us. In Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, we know that this is not saying that a friend would take a knife and stab you in the back. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. No, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is a friend, listen, will tell you the truth. Isn't that true? A friend will tell you the truth, even if the truth hurts. A friend will tell you the truth because they're a friend. A friend will tell you if after dinner you got spinach and food in your teeth. A friend will say, you know, you're going to get that right there, you know. It's like your husband and wives. I know me and my wife do it. She'll look over at me and she'll go, Rodney, clean those, man. There's something like that. You know, we're sitting there talking about what, what? It's friends up in your nose, man. Clean clean your nose. And then I'm like, what, what, what? She goes, clean your nose, man. Clean your nose. Why? But but friends do this for each other. Why? Not because I'm trying to hurt you, but I'm trying to help you. Friends love each other. 
I'm amazed at how friends today is, you know, you're a friend this week and not a friend next week. I am amazed at that. You know, Christians need to be people who are loyal. Amen. And we have friends that we should have friends for a long time to come. That's what the word says. In Proverbs 27, 9, look this up in your own time. It says, an ointment and perfume delight the heart. And the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by heart, by hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. Nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Friendship is like sweet fragrance. And we should be loyal people and stay true to our friends. I really believe God honors that. And do whatever it takes, even to the point of sacrificially getting your friends to Jesus. You know, God convicted my heart about this because I have been one over the years. In eight years of ministry, I'm going to say something from the pulpit that I have never said. I have been one to say, God's going to grow the church, and I'm going to leave that alone. And that's true. And I've never said to people, bring people to church. Go get your family and friends and bring them to church. I didn't say that because I know that churches do that, and they manipulate people and, you know, offer people bikes if they bring a lot of people to church. You know, it's like Bike Sunday. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, you bring, whoever brings the most people to church gets a bike. Whoever brings the most people to church gets a box of cookies. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. And God's going to grow the church. And I've never said that from the pulpit. But today, as I've read this and God has shown me in my heart, listen, let me say to you, bring your friends to church. Go get them. Bring them to church. Bring them to the house of the Lord. Do whatever it takes to get your friends into the house of the Lord. Do whatever it takes to share the gospel. I am convinced that every single Christian needs to have somebody they're working on. You know what I mean? That one person, maybe at the office, maybe at school, maybe in the neighborhood, where you say, you know what? I'm working on them. I'm working on them. Every time I see them, I try to share a little word. Try to share a little prayer, a little something. Just while I'm working on them. Every Christian needs to have some one person at least that they're working on. Trying to get them to Jesus. Bring them to church. Bring your unsaved family friends to various events here at Calvary. That's why we have various ministries of men and of women and Dennis Agajani and all these kinds of things. We have them so that you have an opportunity to bring your family and your friends to church. Why? That the church would grow? I'm not concerned about that. God has been faithful to this church and every person you see here, God has bought you here. I'm so blessed at what God has done. It's not about growing the church. It's about growing the kingdom. Hmm. It's about his kingdom and not my kingdom. His will be done and not your will be done. And getting people in the house of the Lord to hear the word of God is the things that we ought to be doing. Willing, even at sacrificial cost. I don't want to go, but I'm going because I want them to go. That's how we as Christians ought to live. And because of the faith of these men, this man was healed. This man's life was changed forever. Think about it. He was paralyzed. Now he can get up and run and go bowling and go dancing and, you know, do stuff and have a life and enjoy life all because of his friends. That's important. And would to God that we open our hearts 
and open our homes and open up our, 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 our lives to be friends to people, to get them to Jesus. Father, we love you today and we bless you. We thank you for your word. Lord, you're so faithful to speak to us in just that specific area of our lives. And Father, may you, Lord, who is a friend to us, Lord, may you continue to inspire us by your Holy Spirit to be friends with others and to share the gospel with other people and that they might come to Jesus, that they might know Jesus, that they might be saved. And so today, Lord, we ask that by your spirit, you would help us to accomplish this end and show us, Lord, that one person that we should be working on that we should be bringing to the kingdom and bringing into the house of God. Show us that person, Lord. And Father, may you by your spirit save many. Use us, Father. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.